and we're rolling. And... Ooh, that's a little <laughs> ominous. There was a little that ominous was tone. A tone. An it ominous welcome. It, it started up the ladder there, and I was like, oh, it's going to be nice. And it was like, uh, oh, yeah. Like, okay, no, no, no. I was okay. raised in the 90s. We like that moody rock. Oh. So, you know, 90s music was very like peppy, but it was also sad. It was peppy sad. I, I only listen to the very sad stuff, mm-hmm. like the, the mournful kind of Nirvana type of but bands. Ma- but Nirvana was even the kind of thing where you would start, ju- like like I did when I first heard Smells Like Teen Spirit, Ugh. I started jumping around my room and I threw stuff off my dresser in, a, in, a, in an excited, uh, yeah. you know, jubilant. So it was peppy. There was a kind of feeling of like energy, but it was also sad. Oh, actually my four-year-old loves 90s rock because of his mother. And I played him that, mu- I actually played, it wasn't Smells Like Teen Spirit. It was, I think it was, um, well, maybe it was. Anyway, and he started running around the room and he was like, this gives me energy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Actually, I think it was the Foo Fighters. Anyway, welcome. This is just the sort of thing, students, you said you wanted to hear in the podcast. Was oh, us yeah. riffing on jokes and stories and side <laughs> things and music. And it's exactly what we're going to keep giving you because yep. you said you wanted it. <laughs> this is, that one was for your parents. This is the Theo 102 Pop Culture Smackdown. We are in week two. We are talking about Scattered. The church is scattered and sent out on its own. Can't stay in Jerusalem forever. Yes. And earlier this week, you listened to a podcast where we talked about the trauma and the difficulties that the church had with adapting to this new reality. Um, how And we have been wrestling with the question of how much can you change and still stay the same? Oh man, that's a life question too, by the way. It really is. And I think it's fascinating because it's a question that people in the Bible have been wrestling with for a long time, right? I mean, you're an Old Testament scholar. Isn't that the story of the people of God? (laughs) I mean, I think it's just a basic human psychological drama of any organization, group, spiritual movement, or person like growing up. It's it's an art question. It's a music question. If you had a band like album to album, like how do you still keep the core of what the band is while still (laughs) charting new ground? Right, right. Those little, those kind of, those tentacles, those ropes, those connectors to the past have to be there. Otherwise, you just lose your identity. But if they're too strong, and you then, then they tether you to the ground, and it's like an anchor around your neck, and you can't go forward. So how do you negotiate that? That's right. We are going to be debating that very issue mm, today. Mm. What's our artifact for this? How do we get our into this? Our artifact is, and, and I could have chosen many different versions of the same thing, mm. but basically our artifact is the website of a church who claims to be a New Testament church. How did you find this church? Um, I literally Googled the phrase, we are a New Testament church. Oh, <laughs> I like this church. I'm, I'm browsing this church's yeah, website. It's a church and we're going to put a link to it on the website uh, or on, in the, the podcast description. Um, and the very first line of the who we are section, which a lot of churches, for those of you who are new to the churchy website world, there's mm-hmm. usually a little section that says about us. Most churches have a website. Churches, loves, churches love to have a website. They love the website. So um, I clicked on that and it says, we mm-hmm. are a New Testament church that relies on God's word found in the New Testament as the only source Ooh, of our beliefs. Hardcore. So that is actually a really common kind of phrase that you find I knew that I would find it because I specialize in American Christianity. And so I just Googled it and honestly clicked on the first one that came up. But you could find hundreds. It's a representative. Thousands probably And even, even in churches that wouldn't quite 
put it with that kind of specificity like the on their website, yeah. you would definitely hear that kind of language a lot in a church. Like someone would come up with a microphone and maybe introduce and say, welcome to, you know, Wooded River Hills, you know, Whatever. Church of Life, Church of Life on the Hill, River Church, Gate yeah, some, stream. some, and they'd be like, "Welcome here. We're so happy that you're here. We love you this morning. We're here to love the Lord. You know, we're a New Testament church, yes. and you know, and that would be part of the rhetoric, I think, of a lot of churches, even if they didn't put that on their website or have mm -hmm. a doctrine about it, right? And usually, they follow that up with some sort of proof, right? So sure. it could be that the pastor preaches right from the Bible. You know, sure. a lot of times there's like a, a traditional way of preaching. It's actually kind of new, but it sounds, it seems old to people now, but expository preaching mm -hmm. where you kind of read from the Bible and then you um, uh, riff on, you know, whatever particular verse you're, you're on. Mm -hmm. Or it could be that um, they all decide to live in a particular way. There's a group of Christians called, uh, for a while it was kind of a, a um, popular thing to call yourself an intentional community. So you kind of oh, like live I've heard, together. I've, I've heard that term. Yeah. And that's adapted from like this idea <laughs> that you find in the book of Acts where people are living together and sharing things in common. You're laughing a little bit. I have bit stories about, about this you term. I can't, I can't say on the podcast, but I just have funny stories about <laughs> we this should idea have, like, of secrets. Live, podcast. Secrets. Yeah. Like, do you want to hear me talk about the kinds of people I've heard wanting to live in an intentional community? <laughs> well, it's all weird. those are different <laughs> ways of describing themselves as as living in the New Testament. Totally, totally. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I, you know, um, yeah, so it's like, it, it, you can say it specifically, but we're also talking about an ethos. But mm -hmm. there's a question here. Should we do should that? We even trying to, should we even try to be like that? And I think like a lot of these debates we've had, it's, it could seem to you, oh, listener, like, like obvious, like self-evident. Like, of course we should. Mm -hmm. Oh, but you know, there are always hidden problems and complexities in life. And becoming an adult and being a college student is about thinking about those. And the pop culture smackdown, that's what we provide We're for trying you. to just introduce them to you in a form of medicine that will go down happily. <laughs> that's right. The debate. So uh, we, we are going to debate, um, should the church try to be a New Testament church? Should you try to be just like the New Testament? Mm -hmm. Will you flip the coin for us, Online Dr. Doak? coin flip is what I'm Googling. <laughs> What's your call? Heads. That's tails. Ah, uh, okay. You get to pick the position. Which position that w you take? Okay. I gotta be, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta back it up. I lied. I didn't flip the coin. I was just what? Okay, but I, I, it's not a lie if you correct it within a few seconds and say it was okay, a joke, okay. which is what I did. Okay, I'm which gonna, I'm gonna flip it again. Okay, go ahead and now call. Okay, now you can call. Tails. Wrong. It says ah. <laughs> that one. I was telling the truth, but what are the odds you'd be wrong twice in a row? I guess there are technical odds about that. Whatever yeah. the case, um, 50, 50, I think I will choose. I will choose. I should just okay. I should do a coin flip to decide which one I will then argue because okay. I'm just not even sure, but. Um, I, you know, I will, I, I'll do the con. I want okay. you to go first. On okay. This. this is your, this is your week. This is your thing. And okay. I, want, I want you to present a good case for this. We, okay. So I will in three minutes three or minutes? less, you time me, um, three minutes. I'm going to tell you students. Yes. We should try to be just like the New Testament. I'm going to start with one of my favorite verses, which is connected to a favorite song that I have, Psalm 119.105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And this idea that the Bible is our illumination, um, that the words and the laws and the instructions and the stories of God illuminate our path should be our guiding principle for how we do church together. 
one of the things that I think is the most valuable thing is that the New Testament contains within it the testimony of the early church, the earliest Christians, the people who were the closest thing to Jesus. And just like they did in the early days of the church, for example, when they were creating the canon, something that you have taught the students all about, Dr. Mm. Doak, um, they relied on eyewitness testimony for their for how they organized themselves, how they made decisions, how they moved forward, moved the work of the gospel forward into the world. I think that the Bible, the New Testament in particular, is our best guardrail. We've all seen things where churches really just, you know, head into not very good um, territory in terms of their public witness and what can hold them, what what can keep them um, in the ways of righteousness. Well, the scriptures, the New Testament. And fortunately, um, the scriptures, uh, specifically the New Testament, has all kinds of stuff. Like we find really good examples, like the parts of um, the book of Acts where it talks about how the church was living together in unity while they were sharing things in common. And they, there were, they were experiencing wondrous works, like extraordinary spiritual fireworks going on. And then they, there's also examples of when things go really wrong, like in the book of Corinthians, where people are um, like, not um, uh, sharing things with one another, they're oppressing the poor, or they are like engaging in all kinds of pagan behavior. And we see examples of church discipline happening. So what I'm saying is that the Bible or the New Testament in particular is our best guide. And it also um, is, it, it's the, it, it contains the teachings of Jesus and the most reliable um, portrait of of him. And if we're supposed to be the body of Christ, we ought to be very focused on Jesus. The last thing I'll say is why would we choose something that is so um, outside of the New Testament when we know that those things can be so subject to human error? So I want to encourage all of the students. How much time do I have left? Mm, about 40 seconds. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up a little bit earlier. <laughs> we shouldn't, we shouldn't actually go outside of um, the New Testament ever because we would be departing from the um, most potent witness of the gospel. So yes, we should we should be just like the New Testament. We should limit ourselves to the guidelines of the New Testament because in those boundaries is where we can have true freedom to flourish as Christians. What an ending. Stuck, <laughs> suck the landing. Applause. Yeah. Okay. Three minutes. Okay. Three-minute timer, Dr. Doak, starts now. Okay. Despite its very pious <laughs> tone, um, <laughs> the idea of being a, quote, New Testament church or being exactly like the New Testament churches is not as good as it sounds spiritually uh, in terms of faith. Hmm. Um, Christianity embraces, indeed, the, the biblical vision embraces a view of history, which is linear. It's like a line with an arrow at one end of the line. It's going somewhere. And that line didn't stop in the year 55 AD or 30 AD or even 70 or 100 AD or 1000 or 1500 AD or even the year 2019 or 2020 AD. <laughs> it continues on. Jesus has a, actually a stunning thing that he says. I find this to be one of the more stunning passages in the entire Bible. Um, in, John, in the book of John, this is in John chapter 16, uh, I think. Jesus says to his disciples, he's like, look, I'm going away sad faces. But he's like, no, no, no. It's better that I'm going away. The spirit is coming. The spirit with a capital S, the Holy Spirit. Um, now, so there's, there's a progress and there's a movement here, which Jesus himself prefigures through this statement. Change is coming. The move, movement is coming. And it's even better that the son of God, 
Jesus, Jesus himself says that he goes away. So there's, there's a model here of progress, of movement. Um, this idea, you know, of being a New Testament church is riddled with nostalgia, which <laughs> can be really good, um, but it has huge drawbacks. One thing that nostalgia leads us to do is assess the past in fake ways and look at the past through rose-colored glasses, ignoring problems. Um, you know, having a nostalgia for, for a lost, perfect era, yeah, you can really cloud our judgment. Uh, clouds our awareness about what and what and who we need to be and do do and be now. Um, the New Testament church was in a process, as Dr. Payne, I think, will readily admit, in a process of discernment and disagreement about all kinds of things, uh, slavery, gender. And we see this right in the New Testament. We see arguments and battles in the New Testament. Tension and movement is good, but we've gotten better now. We, in some ways, maybe we haven't gotten better, but in some ways we have. And I think being a quote, strictly literal New Testament church would somehow negate that or pretend like we haven't actually uh, learned to discern God's voice better. Um, this, by the way, this, we need to be the New Testament church line. It leads to blatant hypocrisy too. While on the one hand it's, it's used to justify decisions and power structures and beliefs on the basis of, well, Hey, they were just doing the New Testament church thing. 30 seconds. No. And you have to accept it. <laughs> uh, on the other hand though, church structures and leaders and Christians will invariably depart always depart from strict literal New Testament themes uh, and, and tools and practices under the guise that they're doing the New Testament church thing. So uh, it's a noble goal, but it's a sleight of hand that masks very real and necessary and good and holy processes of change and negotiation and progress and discernment through the spirit that must occur. Not arguing we should throw out the past or the New Testament. Obviously, don't make a straw man here. Scripture is our, 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 our textual center, ding, but ding, ding. we grow up. Ooh, great last line. Yeah. <laughs> and now, to, what are we doing? Two minutes or five yes, minutes? Yes, yes, of discussion, and then we name our own position. Two minutes of open battle. That's right. One of the things that I liked about what you said was how you talked about um, the ways that just the 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 phrase New Testament church can yeah. be used to reinforce certain negative power structures sure. in a church. I think a lot of people have experienced that before. Well, yeah, it's, it, you it's know, kind some, of, yeah, it's a kind of hiding behind something. Yeah. I mean, I think in really extreme cases, it would qualify as like a kind of spiritual abuse where you just, you know, you say like, I'm sure. doing it the right way. Sure. So I think that you made a really good point. How, how that can, mm -hmm. that category can work against. Yeah. Good things. I, I thought your I thought your best point was I mean a lot of your points were really kind of clustered around this idea that the earliest Christians were close to Jesus and we have to have some like north star there has to be some mm. center point around which we organize things and the idea that I argued the con side of this could very quickly lead to this thing like well it, it could if left unchecked could just lead to like who even cares about the New Testament church let's just totally be our own selves so maybe we should write a new Bible and you know which people do which people do every right now all, every now and then <laughs> yeah. you get something like that and so I thought your points on on that front are even if one doesn't even if one doesn't agree with your with your take there and the pro would have to be dealt with and it's not easy to deal with those points that's true I one of the things that a question that I had for you mm -hmm. was kind of along those lines, which is if you're going to say that the new that we're not going to be the New Testament church, then what are we going to be? Right. I think that's right. Yeah. Well, I think I think one answer to that, or an, or an answer I would give from yes, the perspective please. I argued, is we would be a New Testament church, but this idea, like like you read in the artifact, that. 
a New Testament church just totally defined by and relegated to and restricted from anything beyond or outside of what we find literally historically in those pages would, well, it would create a situation which some churches have fully embraced. Uh-huh. Like I think even the specific uh, church you brought up is part is a denomination. Denomination is kind of maybe a fancy way of saying a type or a group of churches mm-hmm. that um, do believe in music, singing beautifully, hymns, but not instruments. Why? Because instruments are not mentioned in in the, in the yes. New Testament. Yes, you know what's interesting about that? Yeah, this is from a Church of Christ church, and I grew up. My my parents were Christian church people who are kind of it's like a cousin of the Church of Christ, and they're like mm-hmm. the liberal ones because they use instrumentation oh, yeah, in, yeah. in service. In Church of Christ folks yeah. don't, and the argument for that is is um the kind of the theological category you'd put that in is restorationism because they're trying to restore the right. order of the New Testament yes. church. However, Church of Christ churches also have electricity in their buildings, which oh, is not mentioned oh, in the New Testament, right? Because it hard. didn't exist then. See, that's what I mean about the hypocrisy so, yeah, thing. Like it's you start hard. To, it's it's like hard. You're, you're, with one hand, you're offering, a, you know, to have no instruments is amazing, you know, and to say and, and to say we're doing that because the New Testament doesn't mention it, it's mm-hmm. a pretty big gesture toward literal following of the New Testament church. The electricity thing, though, right away, I know. Violent. It's it's hard. It's like how ticky tacky do you want to get? I mean, a lot of people who say things like women shouldn't be speaking or preaching in church. Mm-hmm. There's also passages like some of the same passages that have things like women shouldn't um, braid their hair or wear you know wear jewelry and you right? know. So, so go it's all like, the way if you're going to do go? it. Yeah, they yeah. just stop at the one the one thing. Yeah. Well, hard. and you know, and there's there's a passage which is is definitely difficult to interpret, and scholars have gone round and round. Like I do not. You know whether whether the apostle Paul in this passage is quoting somebody else that he disagrees with or offering it. I yeah, I'm not clarifying that here, but he says I do not permit a woman to have authority. Right, over a man. right. It's like, well, what about those of you who have like female? I noticed in this last round of elections there were a lot of female, you know, uh, political candidates whom Christians <laughs> were voting for. Wait, if she's not supposed to have authority over you. It's, Isn't yeah. that a kind of like spiritual authority too? Like you shouldn't even be voting for a woman. So I think this is where the hypocrisy comes in and it's, it starts getting weird. Okay, so students, um, you're going to be, that's that's an ongoing question that we're going to explore in this course, because this mm. is kind of the last week where we have, where we're going to be talking about the Christian church relatively close to mm. the the person of Jesus mm. in terms of being in living memory. Mm. And then um, we're, we're heading into uncharted territory. So this question is going to come back to us again and again, but I have to ask you, Dr. Doak, what is your position? Give me a dramatic keys build up to this. Oh yeah, wait, wait. <laughs> dun, <Yeah>. dun. <laughs> <laughs> I like that special take on the dun, yes. dun, dun. Yes, dun, dun, dun. You know, I believe what I argued. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. I think that it probably sounded overly cynical or negative. Like I was just pointing to like the power, power, power and hypocrisy. And I don't, that was more like in the spirit of the debate, mm, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I love, I guess I, I was weaned and came to faith in a restorationist style church Yeah, that was very charismatic and people spoke in tongues and there was a belief in miracles and demon deliverance and all kinds of stuff like that, which probably some students listening to this are like, that sounds horrible. And some people are like, oh yeah, that's my church. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it definitely, but it had a restorationist flair to it. And, and I have to say that as a new believer, when I was in college and when I started attending a church like that, that was super meaningful and was a huge source of energy. So I in no way want to like discredit that language or that stuff. But um, I think that, you know, we, we have to be mature about it too. And so making the kinds of, you know, getting like, you know, like a decision about like music like that is not a decision that I would support. And I think it has to come with an acknowledgement that, we have a, we, we've had a lot of progress to make on the early church. And in some ways we've gotten better. I think that 
you find in the new, throughout the New Testament that this issue of slavery, for example, was something that existed and was like partly accepted, but then also was resisted and partly transcended. And I think that that marks like a journey, say on just the issue of slavery, that we are still like working today to like correct. And I think the church plays a role in correcting that. And so if we just relegated ourselves to just confusion about the issue, that's not morally where we would want to be. Mm. So, Well, as for me, I actually... I, I would share the con uh, position mm. for a couple of different reasons. I wasn't sure what you were going to say. Yeah, well. I mean, I, th- I thought you might be con, but. I am for, for two reasons. One is just as a historian, it's usually um, kind of the joke in, in church history circles is that the more people try to be restorationists, the mm. more they demonstrate that they are people of their era. So uh. for example, like the Puritans, there's a book about American Puritans called To Live Ancient Lives. And when they came to what is now the US, they imagined themselves as living as the New Testament, right. as New Testament Christians. And we now look at them and we look at the outfits that they had and the, right. the foods that they ate and the practices that they um, participated in. And we're like, oh no, those these are people of their of their own culture, of their own time. Right. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. So the first thing is, is just impossible. Right. The second is that um, I, th- I do think, and I think I've mentioned this before, I think of the, the parable of the talents where um, it talks about um, uh, a, a parable where, somebody is, or servants are being given a certain amount of wealth mm-hmm. and they're told to steward it. Mm-hmm. And the one student, or the one student, not student, one servant who buries um, the the wealth and then doesn't have anything mm-hmm. to show for it mm-hmm. is, is um, actually quite, um, is seen very poorly in the parable. It's from Matthew 25. Right. No improvement, no change, just yeah. buried in the ground. It's so Matthew I think if we, yeah. if we think of the, the church as the body of Christ, something that we're supposed to steward, then we would expect it to change and in fact grow and develop and be positive. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm re-articulating what you're, you're saying, mm-hmm. like that the Holy Spirit is like setting us on a trajectory and mm-hmm. we're supposed to steward that wisely. Yeah, that's a really intelligent way of putting it. I love the invocation of that parable too as, as, a, as an argument for it because that, that's a good one. I wouldn't have thought of that. Well, it's not mine. Mark Allen Powell did it. Oh. But anyway, got to give him credit because I'm Mark. a scholar. Thanks, Mark yes. Allen Powell. All right, students, we want to hear from you. Godspeed. Thank you for joining the Bye. Pop Culture Podcast.